Welcome back, Prospects to Pros on the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm Dane Brugler, as always with Lance Zerline. Uh, on today's show, we're going to talk about some of these prospects, uh, go position by position, cover. I released my top 10 by position uh, this week. You know, it's it's mid-December, so we're still trying to figure these guys out. Plenty of homework left to do, but where we stand right now, this is kind of like if the draft were held tomorrow, this is kind of how... Uh, you know, my look at uh, each position. So I'm eager to get Lance's thoughts. A few surprises in there, you know, maybe uh, a few things that we disagree on. Uh, either way, should make for a fun conversation. So Lance, uh, I know you had a chance to look at the rankings. Let's start at the top. Let's start with quarterback. Uh, anything jump out to you right away with, with this group of passers? Yeah, I think uh, the fir- first and foremost, I think from a, your rating standpoint, is the Wilson over Fields. And I think that's mm-hmm. going to be one of the key discussions that starts to uh, really percolate before the draft process uh, as early as now. I mean, really, I think it's going to start in December. It's going to heat up in January, and it'll be a big topic fi- by February. And I think Wilson versus Fields as the number two quarterback will be a really big deal. I don't think Lance is ever going to get into that discussion, to be honest with you. I just you know, he, he had one game this year. It wasn't great. Um, he has one year as a full-time starter. It is at an, an FCS school. I just don't think he has the profile and the production history to get into that mix. But I think your guy at number five is, is, is intriguing to me because I just wrote up Mac Jones. And I think I'm going to be lower on Mac Jones than a lot of people. Um, I'm certainly, I don't hold it against quarterbacks for having good talent around them. I just saw some things with Mac Jones that lead me personally to believe that he could really struggle if he doesn't have things optimal around him in terms of running game, offensive line, and receivers. And so I, I can't sit here and tell you who I know who is going to be my fifth because I haven't gotten there yet. But I, I thought Mac Jones, frankly, was more of a third round type guy to me. I, I just, I, I'm guessing I'm going to have Trask ahead of him when I'm all finished uh, with my work. Yeah, no, I mean, that's fair. I think that after the top four, then there's definitely a conversation about who who should be next. And, you know, yeah, it's it's incredibly difficult with Mac Jones because you can't separate him from that that situation uh, in Tuscaloosa. You have to try. And, you know, there there's it doesn't mean you don't draft him. It just means he's tougher to figure out. I mean, Joe Burrow last year was surrounded by elite competition. And obviously, I'm not comparing those two as as players. Joe Burrow was the far superior, uh, superior prospect, but with Mac Jones, you know, he's still, you know, there's a lot of things alike. It's just, he's very, very average when it comes to skill set, And that's why, um, uh, hopefully we get to see him at the senior bowl. He's got his degree already. If he decides to come out, you know, he'll have his senior bowl invite. And hopefully he accepts. Cause that would be, that would be a great opportunity to see him. Also on this quarterback list, I did want to mention uh, Kenny Pickett from Pitt, number ten. The only uh, there's only uh, what two seniors appeared on this list: Kyle Trask and then Kenny Pickett. Pickett uh, announced last night he's going back to Pitt for uh, taking advantage of that extra year of eligibility. So I don't know, maybe Kellen Mond would have taken his spot, um, you know, as the next best senior. You know, maybe Sam Ellinger. I mean, I don't love this senior class. Uh, you know, Kyle Trask. Is is a kind of is a third round player for me, and then after that, I don't know. I find it hard to get excited about the the rest of the seniors. Uh, I, I you know I know you've seen Kellen Mond a lot. Is is there enough there where you think he could uh, potentially be part of this uh, this list? Uh, I think it's I think it's 
pretty tough. I mean, the two guys who I see the most in this state are going to be Kellen Mond and Sam Ellinger. Neither guy made your your list, and I'm I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I think you're wrong. Um, yeah. I think Sam Ellinger is a you know a, a try hard, tough guy that can you know that that has his own limitations. I do think he tried to do too much this year after watching him. He didn't get a lot of help from his wide receivers. Uh, with Kellen Mond, he he played. You know, he's played smarter football. He's made some better throws. He's he's played with better confidence. But I just don't see it on a consistent enough basis. And I think Kellen Mond is not going to be a playmaker. He's more of a game manager. And the game manager types, to me, um, he does have some physical tools. But if Kellen Mond is in here, he's going to be probably, you know, he or Ellinger would be battling. Mond has a little more upside. It would be mm-hmm. in the 9-10 neighborhood somewhere in there so i don't really have a problem with him not being in your top 10 not at this point i once again i need to keep on studying these quarterbacks very carefully but i've seen plenty of mond over the years i've seen plenty of ellinger and uh i see both those guys as career backups in the league yeah i I would agree uh it's it's easy to like mond it's just it's hard to love him it's hard to really zero in on him as oh yeah this guy will be a starter for us eventually. And uh, now he's another guy that'll be in Mobile uh, and we'll have a chance to maybe win some scouts over there because that's the type of setting where he'll really be able to show off the arm and, you know, just he can make some some beautiful throws. The highlights are impressive. So maybe the senior bowl could be a, a boost for him, but I, I agree with what you're saying about him. Uh, okay, let's move on to running back. If you had to give me one observation about this group, and I'll, I'll be honest, I... I think the first six or seven guys on this list I felt pretty good about. And then once we got down to eight, nine, ten, I just had a jumble of names together that I'm yeah. trying to trying to separate, you know, and part of that is, okay, well, who's going to translate best, uh, you know, in, in third down situations, you know, who, uh, you know, who are these guys, who are, who are NFL coaches going to trust and trying to, to figure out the pecking order. But I don't know, what do you think about the running backs? Well, I, I think, um, you know, we can get into the minutia of some of the, the day three type prospects and, and things like that as we get closer to the draft. I'm going to kind of play the hits a little bit with, with your top five or six. I, I'm curious if Chuba Hubbard hurt himself coming back because you know the three guys who came back that that I'm focusing on Travis Etienne who you have one Najee Harris two and I have them the same way and then Chuba Hubbard I actually had written up Chuba Hubbard last year and and I wrote up Travis Etienne because I thought Etienne and, and Chuba Hubbard both I thought they were coming out and neither guy did and so I still have my my grades my write-up and so I've had to make some alterations but I dropped Chuba Hubbard from a grade standpoint. I thought he was solid last year. This year, I didn't like him as much. I ended up dropping his grade a little bit. Etienne doesn't have the same production. I see the same guy, though. I'm not worried about mm-hmm. a lack of production for Etienne. That didn't bother me. And Najee Harris, I actually ended up liking a little bit more after I watched him this year compared to when I watched him in the summer. So I think Harris helped himself. Etienne is the same guy as he was last year. And I think my big question I'm going to pose back on you is if Etienne had come out, would he have gone as the first running back in the draft last year? Um, I had it as DeAndre Swift one, Cam Akers two, and, and Edwards Hilaire three. Personally, I know Edwards Hilaire was the first back off the board. How do you think it would have played out if Etienne was in that draft? That's a good question because I, for me, last year it was the big four with Swift, Taylor, Edwards, Alaire, and Dobbins, and you know trying to work through that group. And you know, ETN would have been right there, uh, trying to you know try to 
where does he fit? And, you know, you look at a team like the Chiefs, who took Edward Solaire in the first, uh, obviously, uh, you know, they, their screen packages are some of the best in, in the NFL and what Andy Reid likes to do. I'm not sure ETN showed enough that he could be that, you know, the a big time producer as a receiver last year. And that part of the reason why I think he's helped himself by coming back is the production and just being more dependable, catching the football and being a little more comfortable in that area. So now I could see ETN sneaking into that first round, whereas last year at this time, I'm not sure uh, he was there yet. And so I, I think he would have been somewhere in that early day two range, uh, somewhere, you know, maybe uh, early to mid second round. Uh, now I think he's got a legitimate chance at the first. And I agree with you about Najee Harris as well, where I mean, going back to when, because Najee Harris was like five-star, all-everything recruit, goes to Alabama, and he's sharing the backfield with, you know, Josh Jacobs and these other, uh, you know, really talented guys, Damian Harris. And when you watched Alabama, he he consistently looked like the third best of that group. I mean, Josh yes. Jacobs just looked so much better. But then, you know, he Najee Harris was a little bit better last year. And you're like, okay, well, he's a solid prospect. And then this year, he's even better. I, I love the way he can toggle between patience and power. I, that is a skill. He is so, so good at it. He's very skilled at doing that where he can lower his pads and play up to that size, but he doesn't have to be a hammer all the time. He, he can show a little bit of nuance in the way he picks through the defense. So yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan of Najee Harris as well. Um, and then the two North Carolina guys, uh, the what they did over the weekend, last weekend against Miami was just just ridiculous. And, uh, you know, they, they deserve to be talked about as day two players as well. They're a little different. Um, you know, Michael Carter, I think, uh, doesn't get enough love. I think he's, he's a very good quote unquote problem solving back where he just, you give him a series of problems on a play and he'll be able to string together those moves and make something happen. Uh, cause he has that lateral quickness. He has the vision, uh, just the run tempo that, uh, you know, you really, really like at the running back position. So, you know, this isn't, I don't think a great running back group, but definitely some, some intriguing talents, uh, in the, in the top 100 picks. I'm going to, I'm going to throw a name in here that I've heard just recently is getting a little hotter. And that's a, a guy who I kind of forgot about last year. Cause I liked his 18 tape, did not like his 19 tape. And the Larry Roundtree has kind of gotten it back in 20 and, He's a big back with really quick, shifty feet. And uh, I made a comp to Anthony McFarland of the Steelers, came out of Maryland. I think you may see Roundtree move up the boards a little bit this year because some teams I've I've uh, checked in with have really quietly been happy with what they've seen this year. In Roundtree, he was actually one of those guys that I was talking about uh, in that you know, 8, 9, 10 range where you know I had like maybe five – uh, running backs for those final three spots. Roundtree was one of them. He he would be eleven or twelve. Just missed this list. Uh, there, there's definitely a lot to like about him. I, I just I question uh, you know how high of a ceiling. He's not an explosive back. He's not uh, the only reason I, I I I think I would differ on the comparison is McFarland could break out those big plays where <laughs> Roundtree. I don't know that he's going to give you those big plays. He, he'll he'll consistently get you four, four and a half, five yards. I don't know if he has the, that big play potential at him. He's just, he's, he doesn't have that explosive gear to be a consistent tackle breaker. But even though he doesn't have any special traits, I think he's very reliable and the strengths of his game translate well. 
vision, footwork, toughness, that translates to any scheme. So I think he's, he, to me, I, I projected him as a backup scheme versatile. I think he can be reliable in third down situations. He just, you know what you're getting with a round tree and there's certainly value in that. Yeah. I think that's, um, I think that's, I think you have them. And I think there is, it's important when you're evaluating to know that backup running backs matter. There's a big difference between oh, a backup yeah. guard and a backup running back because a backup guard may not have a ton of talent, may be very limited because that's just, you know, there's not a high, it's not high on the supply side. But from a running back standpoint, there's still some very good running backs who are two, who are three, who are undiscovered, who become runners. And one thing that you, you know, guys who are big and physical and fearless and who have a little bit of burst, they end up playing in the league. They just do. You can nitpick whatever you want, but big, fearless and physical tend to make rosters and get carries. Jamal Williams is a guy that I point to. I didn't like him that much coming out of BYU, but he's mm-hmm. big, he's fearless, he's physical. He's still playing. I mean, he's playing and he gets carries. He's had starts. Those guys end up playing in the league. Yeah, I agree. And one other name, didn't make my top 10, but I, he's rising, I think. Ramondi Street uh, Stevenson uh, from Oklahoma, who is as big as a linebacker, but he moves well. Catches the ball cleanly. Um, he's he could be one of those guys you're talking about as yes. maybe he doesn't you know wow you in some areas, but he's just he's big and he's got he's got a little bit of juice to him, and that's that translates and that sticks. So uh, Stevenson is a, definitely a name uh, that I think people need to keep on their radars. Okay, I want to get to receiver because that's I'm excited to talk about this group with you. At the top, it's 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 a little tougher than I thought. I mean, coming into the year, Jamar Chase. I mean, it's easy. He's the top guy. The way Devontae Smith has played this year, I mean, goodness gracious, uh, 172 pounds and, you know, he's the stopwatch time's not going to be great, but how can you not just appreciate and love the way he plays the game and his strengths, elite ball skills, dynamic quickness. I mean, that translates really well. So Devontae Smith, he's at number two for me. Do you agree with Chase Smith one, two, or do you have a flipped? I got him flipped. I've got mm. uh, Smith as my top wide receiver, and I've written Chase already. Um, now, Chase is not nearly as polished as Devontae Smith, and I do think what you see is what you get with Devontae Smith. I don't think he's going to get a lot better because I think he's unbelievably polished in just about all areas where Chase still needs to become a much better route runner. He needs to you know, learn how to, uh, to get away from – press a little more effectively there's there's a lot of areas where he can get better and he has better size and he has just tremendous acceleration to create a quick uh, window on you before you know it Uh, you know with me with Devontae Smith a I think he's Heisman Trophy winner this year I think any other vote is is silly he's the best player he's made Mac Jones what he and Waddle and now Devontae Smith with Waddle out, doesn't matter how much attention you put on him, he's going to make plays. And I think he's just a better football player than Mac Jones or Kyle Trask. Um, and so I, I do a sports talk show, and so I, I deal with all different sports and different types of athletes, and I do that in the morning. And I've been trying to come up with a comp for Devontae Smith, and it's been difficult. And when I walked into the building one morning and and television was on, I think it was Sports Center or whatever, and I saw the comp, and I saw who he was, and I'm gonna get blowback because, you know, uh, uh, um, 
Sergeant Sirius is going to be mad that I'm giving a comp that's not exactly what they want and it's so corny and blah, blah, blah. But my comp on him, and I put it down too. I don't care what my editor said. Steph Curry. And here's why. I'm not going with a football comp. Uh, um, Daniel Jeremiah and I talked about this. He said um, it's... He's got some Calvin Ridley mixed in with some Marvin Harrison. Okay, that's fair. I can mm-hmm. see it. Body type, Ridley, route runner. But, you know, when I see Steph Curry, what I see is an incredibly skilled player in a variety of ways. Very skilled. Same thing with Devontae Smith. Very skilled. Beyond the norm, he's skilled. Number two, he can make plays from distance, mid-range jumper, and he's a good finisher. Guess what Devontae Smith is? He can he can handle level three, level two, and level one. He is extremely skilled from a ball skill standpoint. Their ability to cre- create separation from defenders in tight spaces and very quickly uh, open up a workable window to get to the basket slash get into an open throwing lane are both uh, exactly the same. They're both undersized for their position and, and slightly built, and yet they're both fearless, and they're both tremendously competitive and able to hit big, big production um, in any game. Like, it can happen at any time. So the more, just a glance at Steph Curry, I'm like, oh my gosh, there's so many similarities between Steph Curry and the way that he plays and his body type and and how what kind of an impact he can have from various you know, spots on the, the court slash field. And that's the same thing I see with Devontae Smith. And when I, when I, when I watched rugs last year and I watched Jerry Judy and I watched Smith, I watched all of them. And honestly, rugs had that unbelievable explosiveness. Judy had the unbelievable route running, but the guy who had the hands, the speed, the route running, the guy who had it all just wasn't a big guy was Devontae Smith, even last year. So this doesn't surprise me this year. And I'm kind of, you know, I don't know. Are you okay with that kind of comp? I know it's a a cross-sport comp, but it's the one that I thought made the most sense for a guy who I think has special talent. No, I love it. I mean, I I absolutely love it. It's because, you know, I I love outside-the-box thinking. And with a guy like Devontae Smith, you have to think outside the box. Marvin Harrison has been the name that I've been using. But, you know, I I completely understand what you're saying here because it's just he's such a unique player. I mean, besides the body type and, you know, say he runs a 4-4-9 or 4-5-1, whatever. Besides those two things, what are the weaknesses in his game? What? I mean, I could read you my. It's a really short write-up on the, and the same thing goes with Jalen Waddle. I mean, it's a right. very, very short weakness group. Um, one is going to be because he does get off a of press really, really well. I mean, if somebody gets his hands on him, yeah, his play strength is not going to be the same. So obviously, if you get your hands on him, but he's so unbelievably sudden. I've got bone thin with playing weight near 170. Uh, teams will have concerns about his frame and durability. Feisty but lacking average play strength. Can be forced against sideline on outside release. Gets jostled at the top of the routes at times. And that at times is almost kind of a, you know, kind of a, uh, a safety net for me because I think he does a really good job against physical guys at the top of the the, the net uh, the the route and then big NFL quarterbacks will close out some of those high point windows on him and that's it I mean I had to work hard to get the weaknesses on him I'd, I had to work even harder on Jalen Ramsey um, because, I mean I'm sorry Jalen Waddle because Jalen Waddle actually does have pretty good size as a slot. Now, I think what I love about, we spent a lot of time on Devontae Smith, but what I love about Smith is that 
he's a matchup player. Like you can play him at the slot. You can play him outside. I think you can match him up against the guy that you want to target because whatever that guy is deficient in, whether it's sticking to routes, you know, uh, slippery route runners, whether it's a guy who's speed deficient or maybe a guy who has some size deficiencies, whatever the case may be, I feel like despite being 170, 172, Smith can mismatch a lot of different types of wide receivers because he can play any of the wide receiver positions. Yeah, I love it. And I mean, no, my weaknesses read almost identical. Uh, You know, the it lacks the the body strength to just overpower NFL defenders, and that that will show a little bit more in contested catches at the next level. And then, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, the some teams are going to have durability concerns because because of that size. He just doesn't have the the body armor or the bulk that you're looking for. But yeah, it's it's a short list, and it really makes it fascinating because he's he's in back to the Steph uh, Curry comparison. It's not generally what you're looking for. You know, you you can ding him for certain things just because he doesn't look like what, you, what we've grown accustomed to at the position. But at the same time, when you boil it down to the traits and, you know, what he's doing. Oh, by the way, he can now return punts. We saw that <laughs> over the weekend. Yeah. You know, I mean, he, he there's so much to like about what he offers that. And it's not just the traits, you know, the production. He has the SEC record for for touchdown passes. You know, and he's doing it week in, week out. And he doesn't play uh, at a lower conference. He's doing it against SEC athletes out there. So just, uh, I mean, I, I I still have Chase one, um, but I, I'm not going to quibble with people that have have Smith above him because I get it 100%. And Waddle, I don't, he's not too far away either. No, Waddle's, he's, he's for, he's not like Ruggs where I think Ruggs, as much as I, I think you and I both liked Ruggs, I like Waddle a little bit more because I, I think too. he sh- he showed enough in the four games this year that he's he's not just an athlete out there. I mean there there is uh you know some 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 nuance to his routes and you know there's a route tempo there and uh the ball skills and so he's not going to be just a speed demon who needs to to win with uh, his acceleration. He he can do that, but it's not only that. So these three receivers it's an interesting discussion when, you know, we, we last week or the week before we did Penny Sewell, how would he match up or where would he rank with last year's tackles with these three wide receivers? Where would they rank with Judy and Ruggs and Lamb? I mean, it's a really interesting discussion that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I think there's a lot of room for variance there, depending on who you talk to. Yeah, and I think, you know... People don't see your maybe they don't see your list right now. You should be going to check out Dane's article in the Athletic uh, if you haven't seen it yet. But you got Tony Four. Oh man, I, that guy's a that guy's a monster too. And I think the drop off between four and five is going to be substantial. I think these top four guys are just a clear cut tier one, similar to what we saw with offensive tackles last year and last year's draft, where we had a clear cut kind of big four. I think it's going to be the same thing with wide receivers because the game that Tony, first of all, the season that Tony's putting together and then out there playing hurt against LSU, almost willing his team, you know, into a, a win or, or I can't remember if it was a win or a, um, if it would have been a, a an overtime situation, but Tony staying out on the field and making all the plays for Kyle Trask at the end of that game before the missed field goal that that told you all you needed to know about Trask's confidence in Tony and then Tony's ability to make the play happen. And that was the big knock on Tony was you know just uh, w- coming into the year what 
you know, what, what are you? Uh, are you a full-time slot? Are you a gadget player? I mean, he's list, literally listed as an athlete on the roster uh, at Florida. Not a receiver, not a running back. He's an athlete. And so that kind of further complicated things. He had only 50 catches in his career coming into this season. So, uh, you know, there's, there's some off-field issues, some question marks. There's some durability question marks. So he's, he's a complicated prospect. But on the field... My goodness, he is he's so electric, he's so sudden, uh, and he's got body balance, he's got strength, he's going to break tackles out there, he's not just making guys miss, uh, just a, a really, really impressive player who, uh, again, there's going to be, you need to do some homework, uh, scouts will, just to f- completely figure him out, uh, being a, a high school quarterback and uh, some of the baggage that he has, but yeah, I mean, I felt, you know, when I, I was doing these rankings, you know, at the top three is pretty easy, and then at number four, it's just like, okay, you got to put Tony here at this point with what he's been doing. So I, the, and I actually, I, I the, at the wide receiver position, I actually extended it. Uh, I didn't do my, just my top 10. I did 11 through 20 as well, because it's just another really, really impressive group of receivers. Uh, I don't know if we're going to have as many, you know, second round picks as we did last year or top 100 picks, but it's, it's an impressive group. And in that second tier 11 through 20, you know, a guy like, uh, like Amari Rogers at Clemson, who, uh, is a senior bowl guy who uh, I didn't like initially because he's purely an underneath target. He's not going to give you those downfield uh, plays, but he's basically a running back uh, when you get the ball in his hands uh, with his quickness to make guys miss. He can get open, but then his play strength, his toughness is just a, a outstanding. So this uh, it's a really interesting group of receivers. Did you have anyone in that 11 to 20 mix that you particularly have a liking for? Tylen Wallace. I think Tylen yeah. Wallace of Oklahoma State is, you know, he's a great ball winner. He's highly competitive. Um, he's going to be an explosive leaper. I think he's got um, – I think his play speed is okay. I don't think he always plays as fast as he could into his routes, but he does have some some shiftiness with his routes. And I was just a big fan of what Tylen Wallace does. I think he's more of a second-round wide receiver. So I think uh, ultimately, you know, my grade is going to be higher on him than – than, for example, Rashad Bateman. I think higher than Rondell Moore. Although, to mm-hmm. me, it doesn't matter. I love Rondell Moore. I think Rondell Moore is going to be a really good pro. I was a little concerned watching Terrace Marshall's tape. I thought he looked disinterested this year, kind of like Jalen Rieger did uh, at times in his final season at TCU. Um, he didn't have great quarterback play before he opted out. I thought his, you know, he wasn't as good from the slot as he was outside. I don't think he's catch ready quickly enough when the ball's on top of him. So I wasn't as impressed with Terrence Marshall as I was hoping to be. And um, I think it's there. I see it there. But I didn't see him consistently play with the skill level and the urgency that I wanted to see him play with. But, you know, Mm -hmm. I also have to bounce that out against he played on one of the most unbelievable runs in the history of college football last year. Frankly, he might have been disinterested in this year, especially with all the COVID protocol stuff. Well, and it's tough because, and, and I agree with you. I, I was I was really impressed with him earlier in the season. And then the the more you watched, uh, it seemed like he he did. It just felt like he wanted to get out of there. And he did. He, he opted out before the Alabama game, which that bothers me. I mean, it's. You know, I understand uh, some of these opt-outs, but opting out—that's out a curious one, right there. Yeah, yeah that's absolutely. a curious opt-out. It's it's something that, and, it, and it's it doesn't matter what we think, but I, you know, it, it bothers uh, some guys in the league. That's something that will raise some red flags, and he'll be he'll be pressed on something like that. So, 
Uh, and I agree with you because you, it's, you especially saw it with him as a blocker. Uh, just because he's, you know, a, a big athlete, he's 6'3", 205, he was an abysmal blocker on tape. So, I mean, it's just another example of even though you have the size, uh, you know, it doesn't mean you're going to get the job done uh, in a blocking department. And, you know, speaking of big athletes uh, who, you know, questionable blockers going to tight end, uh, I mean, <laughs> Kyle Pitts at the top, that's an easy yeah. one. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But then after, after that, you know, it's, it's a lot of underclassmen for me. I think the top nine guys were under underclassmen. Part of that is the senior group. It's hard to get too excited about. Um, but, you know, this this junior class has uh, a lot of interesting guys. And any, any of those juniors uh, uh, really stand out to you? Or is there someone not on this list that, you know, you think should be included? No, I think Brevin Jordan. Um, I really like what I've seen with Brevin Jordan. I think he's a competitive player. His ability to get down the field into the into the the um, seam and really wreak some havoc. And I I just I think he's got a chance to be a, a really solid NFL uh, pass catching tight end. I, I I've liked what I've seen from Brevin Jordan. I think he's uh, I think he's an awfully good player. I to me this is the position that has the greatest chance to bring out your next Robert Tanyan type. I remember when Robert Tanyan was um, a senior receiver, and I wrote him as a tight end because he was already 220-some-odd pounds. And I thought, man, if you could just put 10 pounds on him and turn him into a big slot, and we'll just call him, you know, you can call him a move tight end. You can call him whatever name. It's just a big slot tight end. And I think that's the. I think that's what we're looking. That's the next stage is going to be more of the Tanyan types, guys with good athleticism, pretty good speed, soft hands, and you just want to know that they have the ability to be a a willing positional blocker, and that's all of a mindset. You know, you can find that out. But I think the big receiver to slot tight end uh, is going to be really the next big thing. And I think little Jordan Humphrey would have definitely benefited making that move instead of trying to lose weight and stay outside a wide receiver where he couldn't run. And I, and I think we could see that happen again this year where somebody comes out of nowhere and somebody who's a big receiver makes that switch to, to slot receiver slash, you know, tight end. You can call it tight end if you want. I just call it you know, you have the the big nickel, which oftentimes the safety. Well, the the big slot is really just a matchup tight end. It's kind of the same thing now. Yeah, and, that, and that's number ten on this list. Quentin Moore instead of Bowling Green. Uh, that's basically what he is. he made the transition from wide receiver, putting on some weight and, and doing uh, making that transition. I think it's starting to starting to uh, you know click for him as he makes that transition. So that's how he made the list. Uh, and I agree with what you said about Brevin Jordan, a little bit of maybe some Jonu Smith there. Uh, but just, yeah, a quality player who uh, this is an interesting tight end group. Moving to tackle, we, we've talked a lot about Penny Sewell and Rashawn Slater, one, two. I got what about one. after the – what's that? Teven, Teven Jenkins. Yeah. Now, is it Tevin or Teven? Uh, Tevin. Okay, Tevin Jenkins. Well, is it tackle or guard? I have my think? tackle just because, uh, you know, he doesn't – I mean, he has, I, I think, the foot quickness uh, to do it, to, to protect Absolutely. the corner. But it's, it's, you, you, he's so frequently hunched at the waist. It's, it's like he relies on his upper half to get the job done, and so his technique will break down versus that arc speed. And yeah, that's what I'm concerned it. about. And well, you know what his arm length? I have his arm length. Do you? Would you like to guess it? Uh, I don't know. It, it wasn't super long, was it? I mean, what, what 35 is it? Thirty-five inches. 
Okay, there you go. I'm kidding. It's sub 33. Wow. Yeah, it's not even 33 inches. So what you talked about, which is the lunging at the top, and I think a lot of it is because he's a short-arm guy and he can't redirect around the pocket. And that's why I'm going to let him start at tackle and he can fail his way down to guard, but I think he's got a chance to be a really impressive guard. I'll be honest with you. I thought he is – I think he's a better guard prospect than Wyatt Davis from Ohio State. Mm. Um, Jenkins is very powerful, very nasty. He's got great core strength and body control. And that's the area that concerns me with Watt Davis. And we'll get to him here in a second. But I think Jenkins, to me, he's a good blocker and will worry about tackle or guard in the future. But I think he's a, a, a really, I thought he was one of the more consistent guys I've studied this year at tackle when it came to body control. And that's a really big thing for me on the offensive line. The right. ability and, and core strength is a big part of that. But keeping your 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 pads, you know, keeping your pads over your over your feet, um, having the ability to to keep your pad level steady and you don't get jostled around, that core strength, that body control, it is so important when you play pro football, when you have guys pushing and pulling and you're taking shots on the angle and there's there's TEs coming at you and ET twists coming at you, you've got to have body control. And I thought Jenkins, you know, I know scouts are pretty impressed with them. I was really impressed with what I saw from Jenkins from Oklahoma State. No, yeah, that's that's a great call. And the, the comparison I made was to Cam Robinson, who, you know. Is, I looked at it. Yeah, I thought about it. Uh, I mean, because he's, he's another guy, tackle, guard, needs to, you know, coming out of Alabama, there was some consistency issues. Uh, but what you love about Jenkins is when he has a chance to go for the kill shot, oh my, he, he will send guys into the tomorrow with uh, the way that he will lean into his blocks and default to his power, just a – a really fun player. So yeah, and he's has experience at guard. Uh, he he played. He started I think twice at right guard uh, earlier in his career, and then he said he practiced at left guard. So he's got experience at all four positions everywhere except center, which obviously will that versatility will will help uh, in terms of how how teams look at him. My my um, comp on him was Joe Thune. Um, okay. Was was my comp on him, and I've got a borderline one two grade mm-hmm. on him. Um, so yeah, I'm a I'm a fan of of what he does. And you talked about, you know, some of his best tape was against Osai Joseph Osai from Texas. Yeah, he had one of those burials into the bench basically, and the very next play was him basically just launching Osai to the ground in pass protection. It was a very impressive one two hit on. Uh, on another guy who's going to have some some buzz headed into this year's draft. Well, and it's funny because Osai he had a big game in that one, so I think a lot of people just assume Jenkins got got beat. But uh, it, no, it, it, I agree. It, it was a good tape for him, and I, I, I agree with the one too because he's Jenkins came in at number five. I, I had him and Jalen Mayfield kind of kind of similar. I'm, I'm I, I don't know. I Mayfield I, I still struggle with him just because I, I think he's. I think he's going to get a lot better, and I like I like who he is now. I don't love who he is now, but I think he's going to get a lot better, and so I'm a little bullish uh, on him. But yeah, this this tackle group we've talked about it before. It's it's a it's an interesting group, a deep group with that teams will be able to find some quality players into the second, maybe even into the third round this year. Can I give you two names that I think could be in the top five of tackles that you don't have in there? Ooh, okay. What do you got? 
One is Spencer Brown from Northern Iowa. You want to okay. talk about finisher? Go watch yeah. any and all of his tape from last year. Spencer Brown has Lane Johnson-type length and foot quickness. He's a former tight end. He's gained um, 100 pounds since he was a senior in high school. He's very well built. Uh, you know, he's got a naturally high center of gravity because he's tall. He's a good 6'7". He's a legitimate 6'7". So he's going to have some some issues with center of gravity sometimes, but he can bend he has great foot quickness. He's very tough. And I think as he gets naturally stronger with more weight work, um, and he is a strong guy. Like he's he's got good weight room strength. But as he learns to to create leverage points through hand usage and keeps getting stronger and stronger. I think Spencer Brown, who you have number nine, is going to be the guy that really jumps up. And the other one, you've got number one at the interior offensive line. And I know this is a good jump off point. I have talked to teams who think Elijah Vera Tucker from USC is going to be one of the top three tackles in the draft. And what makes that interesting, Dane, is that you and I both know this is his first time playing tackle um, in college football. He has been a guard at USC this entire time, if I'm if I'm if I'm correct. And he he slid out there because they needed tackle help, and it has been an eye opening performance from Vera Tucker as he's shown slide quickness. He's played with great hands, and my dad took a look at him on tape because uh, he may be working with him. So he asked if I could get him some tape, and I got him some tape, and he was really impressed. And he said, you know what, Lance? I had Willie Colon when I was with the Pittsburgh Steelers, who was maybe six three and a half at tackle, but he had long arms. He said, this kid looks like he has pretty long arms. He moves well as a tackle. He said, I'd play him at tackle. And if he couldn't do it, move him to guard. But he thinks that he's a tackle as well. So I think Elijah Tucker, you have it kind of a matter of semantics there. You have him number right. one for interior offensive line. If a team sees him as tackle, I, I see him as guard, but I'm not going to sit and tell you that I wasn't really impressed with what I've seen from tackle this year. Yeah, no, absolutely. You throw on uh, the Arizona tape in the opener. Uh, I mean, he was fantastic in that one. But I mean, every game this year, you, you would think that he's a lifelong tackle uh, with the way he's played uh, in 2020. And I agree. If I put Vera Tucker into my tackle rankings, he would have been right behind Slater. Uh, I mean, I think Sewell, Slater, Vera Tucker are, and then I would put Darisaw four. I, I think those are, you know, my the, the clear top four offensive lineman and maybe maybe Dickerson after that as the fifth guy but it's it's a it's a really strong group there at the top and with Vera Tucker you mentioned it he's the top guy for my interior offensive line uh, but yeah I think he could move to move to tackle Vera Tucker and Dickerson I think were the easy one two for me for the interior offensive line and then that's where it got a little a little interesting uh you know I Wyatt Davis I have at three who uh, you know, I, I, I struggle with, um, you know, he, I, he, I don't think he has that fate. And we, we talked a little bit about him offline. He, he, I don't think he has that fatal flaw where you just say, oh, well, this is, this is going to be, you know, a detriment. This is really going to keep him from being a steady starter or, or, you know, I think he has everything. It's just, he, his, it just breaks down from time to time and it, it results in, in, uh, you know, mistakes and things that you just, you don't expect to see from a player with his experience and his talent level. So Wyatt Davis, I think skating by a little bit based off of, you know, the, the preseason hype, he has not played to that level, uh, this year on, on tape, but I'm still, I'm not ready to give up on him as, as a top 50 possibility and a guy that can start in the league. But he just has not lived up to being a first-round pick. 
No, and I came away pretty unimpressed with what I saw from you know the ability to stay connected. Here's here's my thing. I don't think he's a wide player. He looks much smaller than the other guys out there that he's playing next to. But the thing that really kind of concerns me in the NFL is I like players who can play wide. And the ability to play wide, you know, you have your frame and your frame is part of your width, but your strength on the edge, your balance, and then your foot quickness to be able to slide quickly laterally it makes you a wider player it makes you harder to it makes your edges firmer so it's harder to get past the edge so I don't think White Davis he does play a little forward so guys can get to his edge a little bit because of an a slight imbalance he's not a real foot quickness guy laterally and then you know I just he doesn't play like a long player either so I I didn't feel him as a wide player out on the field compared to you know a guy like you know Tevin Jenkins who I felt was a very wide player Elijah Vera Tucker on the field as a guard last year Land uh, uh, Landon Dickerson uh, these are very wide players as well so I you know Trey Smith is so I think that's my big concern um, with Wyatt Davis Trey Smith another guy who you know has been a little bit um, disappointing this year a guy who's not on your top 10 who I think is is severely underrated and he reminds me of Damian Lewis last year from LSU, is Deontay Brown from Alabama. I know the guy's like 350 with a great big old bubble bud, and he's. but let me tell you, he's technically sound, he's got great body control, and he is powerful. And I think people are sleeping on Deontay Brown a little bit because he's not the, the greatest-looking you know, uh, length guy or lean muscle mass guy, but he is a really... Um, sound guard, and he and Landon Dickerson play great center guard football next to each other. Yeah, he's just a powerful dude, uh, and he's a little bit of a heavy mover. I mean, that's just that's part of his sure. game. Yeah, uh, you know, there there are some times where you know he'll he'll lean into blocks instead of driving through them. But uh, yeah, a guy, you know, go back to last year's tape against Derek Brown. I mean, he is a guy that has gotten better and better every year. Uh, he can play either guard spot. So yeah, uh, he, he was one of those guys who um, I think he would have been, he, he probably would have been 11 on this list, 11 or 12. So just missed for me. Darren Kennard at Kentucky. He's another guy that I know has gotten a lot of buzz around uh, from league guys. He's at number five on this list. Let's, let's move over to defensive side, uh, breeze through some of these guys uh, real quick. Pass rusher, we don't have that top guy this year. You know, we've talked about that. But this is a tough group because there's a lot of different players who win in different ways. And uh, so I'm just going to leave it open to you. Uh, the top 10 guys on the on my pass rushers, what, what, what uh, observation are you taking away from that group? I think that it is a talented group, and I think it's a group with a lot of potential. And you go all the way into your top ten, and it, and it does really show as as a group that has, I think, uh, much more potential than last year's group. I think last year had players at certain positions. I think there's more high end potential here. I'll give you an example. I don't know why. I don't know what's going on with Kirby Smart in Georgia. Why Aziz Ojalari is not on the field all the time. Why he doesn't get all the snaps. I get the feeling that Georgia's just trying to play a lot of players because they, they rotate their entire front seven, basically. So... I think they want to get everyone playing time, make everyone happy, and keep all the talent in place. But Aziz Ojolari has some tape where he is just ridiculously not only strong, but has an NFL-level power and aggression in a compact frame. And, I mean, when he hits you, it's different, right? Mm -hmm. 
things become strip sacks when he hits. Just the sheer force of his uh, of his power. Um, you see what the you can see beyond the player now. At least I can, and I feel like you do too. Obviously, by your ranking, he's a guy that you see beyond where he is, and you know that coaching is going to turn some things loose, like his hand usage and pass rush. He's just got kind of a little hop at the top of the rush, and he tries to stuff the outside hand with his right arm and get it off of him just to kind of grease the edge. Once he learns a better outside hand, you know, a move to defeat outside hands, once he ties that with an inside move that he starts to set up with a rush plan, his physicality and his aggressiveness and his athletic ability and his strength are all pluses. So it's going to come for him. And I think something similar can be said about your number four guy, uh, Jason Owe. Owe, he doesn't, he he has no sacks right now, which is hard to believe because when you watch him, when you watch him, the guy's all the, over the yeah. pocket. But I, I couldn't believe he didn't have a sack this year when I looked at the yesterday. Indiana tape. I mean, he was consistently in the backfield. It was that Indiana tape was remarkable. Uh, how many times he reached the backfield? But you know, either uh, you know the and, and this is, goes back to why using sacks as a is you know a metric for uh, well, he must be a good pass rusher. Or he must not be a good pass rusher. Is is flawed. Because in always a perfect example of that, because c- consistently disrupting what the backfield action, uh, what's going on, but it just hasn't resulted in any sacks uh, on the stat sheet. But yeah, Oway, he's got power, he's got twitch, uh, he, he's a very flexible guy for 6'5", 255 pounds. He's going to have an interesting decision to make because I, I, just based on the traits, uh, he's a first round pick, but you know, with zero sacks and you know, he's still piecing together, uh, you know, what he's doing out there. Uh, you know, I don't, I, I, it's hard to say exactly where he's going to land in the draft, but the traits are just outstanding. Yeah. The traits are, and I'm a big, I buy into the traits. I'm big into that. Like show me explosiveness. That's why yeah. one of the guys you have on there that I recently wrote up, Joseph Osai, um, he's not a real explosive guy. He's not a twitchy upfield rusher. What he is is a really try-hard, high-motor player. People at Texas tell me he practices just as hard as he plays. He will he will run down the field 60 yards chasing a play full speed because that's who he is. And secondary rush effort, I want, I want to make a point of this. Look how often secondary rush effort wins in the NFL. Guys who get beat the first time around, his length, he's getting pretty good with his length. I I think he's getting better and better. This is his first year at this position. He moved from inside linebacker where he had no business playing. He moved to the edge. He had like five or six sacks last year anyway when they brought him off the edge. So, you know, he should have been there to start the season last year, frankly. But this year when they had him out at the edge, he's still learning to take on blocks. He doesn't have a great big heavy anchor that he can just sit down when he when he sets uh Uh, sets the edge but the better he gets at timing and extending his punch and locking out the better he'll get on the edge and he is starting to figure out how to use his arm length like he's starting to figure out that his arm length is a serious weapon and as that gets coached and as the realization sets in and as he gets confidence and really as he has experience and gets more reps along the edge, it's going to start to click for him. Now, is he going to beat people around the edge and, and, you know, beat them with this great speed? I don't think that's how he's going to win. But once you get him blocked, it's not over. Like, you don't get off the hook because you block him. 
It, it, that, that's you blocked him for now. But if your quarterback hangs onto the ball, he's going to get to him. If your quarterback tries to scramble out and keep extending the play, this guy's going to close on him. So that secondary sack and a secondary effort is something to keep an eye on because I think Dane, that's a real skill level that a lot of people don't look at. It's not a talent, but it's a trait, and I love that trait of, trait of secondary rush. Love it. No, that that's a, that is a great point, and a guy like Osai that. That sums him up perfectly because, yeah, you wind him up and just let him go. I mean, yeah, you, you, he the motor, the competitiveness, uh, it, that that leads to production uh, it, consistently. So he's a fantastic player who might not be uh, elite in some of the you know the traits, the some of the areas that you normally look for in a first round pass rusher, but he can help mask those with the the, the competitiveness that he offers. Uh, moving to defensive tackle, you know, we, we've talked about how this isn't a great group. Seeing Davion Nixon at Iowa kind of have a, a breakout season has been nice. He, he checks in at uh, my number two defensive tackle, uh, 13 and a half tackles for loss this year. He can really get after it. Yeah, there, there's some consistency issues with him. He needs to some do some some things to, you know, there, there's a reason why he's not a first round player. Uh, needs to get better in a few areas. But, you know, this is a it's an interesting group that it's hard to get excited about too many guys. You know, Christian Barmore's, I think, is really starting to heat up. He He's the lone guy on this list that I think has a shot at sneaking into that first round. But over overall, it's just a, it's a group of, you know, solid but flawed players. Yeah, I uh, I see tremendous power in the upper body for uh, Tufele uh, from uh, yeah. USC. But the kid from Washington, I really started watching him closely. I came away extremely impressed. I watched him against USC and especially his reps against Vera Tucker. I remember, this is 2019. Levi uh, Onwuzurike, correct? Onwuzurike. Okay. And then yeah. his battle against Oregon, who was a Joe Moore Award finalist last year, their offensive line. And I thought, wow. I mean, his upper body strength, his explosive first step, his ability to get rid of players with just a a pure physicality and brute force. He's got really impressive foot quickness and overall um, play speed for his size. Now, the production is just okay. For a guy who I think is going to be able to batter some some players across from him from a, a physicality standpoint and athleticism standpoint, I thought his... I thought his traits were just okay, but he's got rush. I think he can play nose, shade nose, three technique, and five technique. So I love him up and down the line for an odd or even front. And I think he's a guy that's going to be a riser. Now, the one thing I did notice is there were some games where he didn't seem to turn the juice on the same way as he did with the, his highlight, you know, the big games like the USC's and Oregon State. I mean, in, in Oregon's, um, it, it didn't look the same in a couple other games so you want to see that get taken care of but I think he's got a lot of upside and then Jordan Davis so I'm watching all the seniors on the defensive mm-hmm. front and I'm watching Ojolari and I'm watching the the linebacker number 32 and all these guys for for Georgia that are potentially draftable and the one guy that just keeps popping is Jordan Davis he's a monster and he is so strong at the point of attack and just tosses guys around like that's a guy that I know that there's a limitation because he's not a three-down player. But my gosh, Dane, once he gets to an NFL team and keeps getting bigger and keeps getting stronger and keeps adding technique, I think he is going to be a major run stuffer in the middle of a unit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just it's tough. 
I agree with everything you said. It's just tough to put a ranking on that or, you know, a, a grade. Right. What's the appropriate value for a player like that? And it, that'll change team to team, uh, you know, scheme to scheme, depending and and what your roster looks like. You know, if you're uh, in dire need of a guy like that, you might uh, have him a little bit higher. But yeah, it makes it tough just from those of us on the outside just doing general grades uh, where to put him in the pecking order because it's just uh, he, he is limited. But what he does, he's so good at just because of his natural size and strength that it really does make it uh, make it tough. And I agree with you on uh, on Zarike, who I, I wrote him up. And for those that read my reports, all you need to do, uh, I mean, if you read the whole report, please. But the final three sentences, that's where I I purposely put the most important things in those final three sentences. This is my final three sentences on uh, Onzerike. Fires off the snap consistently and makes plays away from this gap due to effort and athleticism. While calling him active doesn't do him justice, he tends to rush tall and scattered, allowing him to be redirected by blockers. Overall, Onzerike needs to show a more leveraged attack and stay off the ground. But he is a twitchy big man with fast and physical hands, flashing NFL starting traits as a three technique tackle with versatility to be more. So I agree 100% with what you said. And he's, even though he opted out this year and last year, he played mostly nose tackle uh, in, in that, that Washington three man front. Uh, I think there's a lot of traits that will show at the senior bowl uh, during one on ones. Yeah, I think he's going to have a huge senior bowl. I really do, and I, I really I love the talent. The, before we get off this position, the guy that I really was disappointed with was Marvin Wilson from Florida State. Yeah, I really liked him last year. I had a I had a pretty high to mid second round grade on him. I thought he was a top fifty type player. He looked heavier. He looked out of shape. He looked slower, and I felt like he went from looking like a second-rounder to just a fifth-round backup type. And I I was very disappointed with what I saw from Wilson this year. I didn't think he came back with the same level of uh, uh, juice on the field. I didn't think he looked like he was in shape, and I was overall disappointed with a guy that I was very high on last year. So we'll see how he looks um, as he, you know, hopefully can 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 have the good body weight and and lean better lean muscle mass and i'm interested in seeing him return to the form that we saw last year i agree as of right now uh i think wilson's a borderline top 100 guy i mean maybe he would sneak in there but i think yeah there are gonna be plenty of day three grades uh on him around the league uh moving to linebacker um you know i don't think there's any too big not too many big surprises uh you know the names that we've Grown accustomed to, um, you know, with with Parsons and uh, Wusu Koromoa. I mean, Zayvon Collins got up to number three for me, just ahead of Bolton. Even though I love Bolton, and that just comes down to a length issue w- with him. I don't know anything stand out for you at linebacker. Yeah, I want to ask you about Jabril Cox. I haven't had a chance to study him as closely. Came from another school, one year at LSU. People at LSU say, you know, he's just really taken to a leadership role and people really like him there at the program he fits in he's a little undersized tell me about what you saw from I haven't studied him closely what did you see from Jabril Cox this year on tape well I mean first of all I I've heard the same things uh the coaches just rave about him you know where you got guys like uh the corner Vincent opting out Marshall opted out a lot of those guys on an LSU team uh especially after they tasted success last year you know, they're, they're jumping ship, not this kid Cox, who, uh, you know, he, he had his own taste of success winning three national titles at North Dakota state. 
And he went, he made this move so he can get better. He, he didn't make this move so he could just try to, you know, move up 20 spots with his draft grade. He genuinely wants to get better with the way he works uh, during the week and then, you know, uh, preparing for game days. Uh, and I, I loved his response when they asked him, you know, why aren't, why aren't you opting out? Or, you know, why, why are you doing this? He said, because I wouldn't get any better. And I, I just, I, you, you tell me that coaches aren't going to eat that up uh, in the NFL. They're going to love that. And then on the field, I mean, you see a guy that's been able to hold up in coverage. Uh, he's not necessarily a a big time athlete, you know, like you would say, you know, with Micah Parsons or Wusu Koromoa, these guys that are just so naturally explosive with the with the twitch and the way they move. But uh, Cox is just a big athlete who, who moves fairly well and, and can cover down the field. Uh, he has a strong upper body so he can separate he can make, uh, strong tackles. Um, and there's just a lot to like about him as a guy that's going to be a reliable, dependable player. And the football character is a big part of that. Yeah. Um, football character is such a huge part because the ability to face adversity when you move up in a level of competition and he did that and he's, he certainly survived and thrived. And then to the next level, it's very important as well. Uh, from a cornerback standpoint, looking over your list, I tell you that the guy that I think is, is going to be intriguing to me and he's got a lot of buzz is um, JC Horn, the son yeah. of Joe Horn, former wide receiver for the new Orleans saints. He's six one. He's about two Oh five, but he's got plenty of athletic. Don't think he's growing into a safety spot because the athleticism uh, and cover skills are certainly there to play corner. Now his ball production is just kind of average. And that's a little surprising for the, his traits, both athletically and physically. Uh, the one area of concern that I have on him is I think he's going to have to play a lot more committed and run support. There was some run support defense where I was very disappointed in his effort level. He just let other guys kind of you know, take care of the dirty work. Now, when it's put right on him and the spotlight's on him and it's clearly his guy, he'll go in and he'll, he'll make the tackle and make the hit and shows no hesitation. When he's part of a unit, it was like he was almost, eh, you do it. You handle this. You handle this mm -hmm. dirty work. And uh, that's going to be something that especially DB coaches will look at and they'll challenge him about at the combine. They'll have tape. They'll challenge him. They'll ask him about that. They'll, they'll question him right to his face about toughness, things like that. But when you look at the size, the length, and the athletic ability, man, this is what teams want corners to look like is J.C. Horn. Well, and it's confusing because in coverage, he loves to mix it up with Very receivers. Physical. I mean, yeah, physical, competitive. But yeah, as, as a as a tackler, it's it's definitely not a strength to his game. Uh, and it's not just the want to. It's you know the uh, he's got streaky tendencies with dropping his eyes and throwing just throwing his body instead of uh, being a form tackler. So I agree. I, I'd say I see a lot of a keep to leap with JC Horn, just a big athlete who can cover. And uh, I keep to leap. I think had better production, ball production uh, in uh, in uh, in college at Kansas. I mean, play a little bit of wide receiver there. Where J.C. Horn didn't necessarily have that. If you take away that Auburn tape, uh, he had against Auburn. It was like six passes defended, two interceptions. Great game. against the, yeah, oh, absolutely against the other six opponents this year. He had two passes defended, zero interceptions. And part of that is he wasn't always thrown at, and you know that that plays a factor here. But still, uh, you want to see him become a better finisher. Uh, but I'm with you. It's just a, a really intriguing player who I think my top four corners uh, is pretty set on in terms of these are the top four guys but the order 
I, I think could change a little bit with Farley and Sertan uh, and, and Darion Kendrick. And Darion Kendrick is just such a big time athlete that I think that's going to that's going to be helium for his draft grade, uh, and that's why he's still hanging. Uh, uh, up there with the, these top four guys. Uh, then one other guy I wanted to mention in this group was Greg Newsom out of Northwestern, who snuck in there at number 10, who just really having a strong year this year. And I, I have not seen many people talk about him, but he's starting to gain some momentum with NFL scouts uh, because of the way he can uh, get his hands on the football. It reminds me a little bit of Kendall Fuller coming out of Virginia Tech, just a very coordinated athlete with the way he covers uh, has a nose for the ball. He's fearless. Um, he's decent height, but not not great build. But uh, you know, he, he's really competitive out there. So Greg Newsom is one of those guys to uh, to keep an eye on. Okay, moving to safety. Uh, you know, this is uh, another one of the. It's kind of like defensive tackle, where a lot of names that people have heard of, but uh, it's hard to really get excited about this group. I don't know. Maybe maybe that's just me. Have you seen any of these safeties yet? that has gotten you excited? I actually liked Holland from Oregon. Um, okay. The teams I talked to are concerned about his speed, and they think he's going to have some issues when he has to match up in speed. But I tell you what, I think he has very clear eyes. He sees the field well. He's instinctive. Um, he has good ball skills, understands angles on the football. I actually like Holland. I think that you have to to limit him in some regards. You want to ask him to do what he does well. But I liked his competitive nature and and there were some things I really liked about Holland. I think he's you know, probably more of a late two to, to three, early three maybe, but he does have some versatility and that instinctive nature and, and ball skills make a big difference. I think the big news here, the headliners that Sean Wade has been moved yeah. from your cornerback list over to your safety list. Yeah, and this is more of, I just don't know what to do with them. And, you know, I've had conversations with scouts who are saying the same thing. Um, just he's been really inconsistent uh, at, at outside corner. Um, and, you know, even we had an interception uh, against Michigan State. Even that, if it was a, a an accurately thrown ball, he's beat on that play. It was just it was a bad throw and he was able to get the pick. And, you know, he deserves credit for, uh, you know, finishing that interception. But at the same time, if it was in the NFL, that's, that's a big play for the offense. So it, he is a tough player to really – understand uh where he's headed um you know I, I think he has not necessarily shown the development that you want at outside corner throughout the course of this year uh now you know we'll see how he does against northwestern and then hopefully I, i'm just this is me being selfish uh you know i want to see ohio state in the playoff just because i want to see how he does uh, against uh, you know, I'd love to see Alabama, Ohio State a semifinal game. That, that'd be a, a lot of fun where, you know, we could see him go up against a Devontae Smith uh, or one of those Alabama receivers or, you know, even if it's, uh, you know, Notre Dame or Clemson or whoever want to see Sean Wade go up against some, a top tier wide receiver just to give us another that Penn State tape. It, it's just hard to forget that and how he performed in that game. Uh, so Sean Wade. Uh, you know, teams are keeping an open mind right now. Um, right now I haven't li- listed at safety, but I, I think he's going to be the, one of the more volatile uh, players uh, throughout this process as, as we try to figure him out. Yeah, overall, I like the list. I'm interested to see who starts to pop some other players whose names end up on there. Not, I'm not super jazzed about the safety group, but I rarely am, yeah. it seems like, anymore. So that's that's normal, and I think – 
we'll see more corners turning into safeties because that's the nature of you know the way college football is going is uh, you know more and more passing leads to more and more players, bigger players at the cornerback position as pro starts to adapt more and more of the college game, which they clearly have more and more corners with ball skills are going to move into the safety spot. So uh, Holland, some people call him a corner. I think he's, I think he's a natural safety. I think Wade's spot is going to have to be safety. I think it's going to have to be safety. So yeah, good list. I enjoyed the list. I think it's a great primer um, for people to read and, and draft fans to start to get acclimated with, because these are the names that you're going to start to hear. Now, not all the players on your list, have you know said that they're going pro so keep that in mind some may still not go pro because we always have some surprises as well but uh i'm I'm interested to revisit this sometime in in uh january once the list is a little more expansive with more names and a little more work being done on on all these players it's going to be a lot of fun to do that again yeah, no doubt. And we've got some big games this weekend with championship, uh, conference championship weekend. Uh, and uh, this time next week, we'll know uh, what the what the final four for the playoff is. So we've still got some tape to, to look at some of these players and, and figure them out. So that'll do it for this week's Prospects to Pros. You can find Lance on Twitter at Lance Zerline. Uh, I'm at DP Brugler. As always, please subscribe, rate, comment. Uh, that really does help. And we will talk to you next week. <laughs>